Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. You know, Paul, last time we talked, and by the way, it was just a couple of days ago. Uh, right? Shocking. <laughs> crazy, twice, right? Twice within a seven-day period have we recorded a Star Trek Discovery. It's or nuts. Star Trek with Aaron and Paul, you so. It's nuts. Uh, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's, it's nuts is what it is. But, you know, when we talked last time, I had shared with you that oh. I had completed my voyager rewatch and i had completed the uh, i had started and completed my enterprise rewatch during mm-hmm. our hiatus um what i didn't get around to telling you in that uh in that conversation paul was what mm-hmm. i have started watching since you hide so much from me i know i know you know uh my it's mother hurtful. I, my, my, I, I tell my mother it's because I'm a private person. She says that it's because I'm a secretive person. <laughs> I agree with your mother. <laughs> you have mother issues just like a car. That is true. That is true. Uh, but I have, uh, I have started watching something that I never, ever, ever thought I would watch. I am watching Stargate SG-1. And Why? have have in fact over the weekend completed the first season. Wow, that just slipped right out. My like my my first response was why? <laughs> well, and, and and I get that because I have always held SG one in uh, rather dim regard. Uh-huh. But you know, I was looking, I was looking. I don't forgot. Oh, it was because I watched the movie uh, during the hiatus. I watched the the Stargate the film Kurt with Kurt Russell and James okay. Spader, and I love that mm-hmm. movie. That movie's a lot of fun. Um, but I, I, I was looking up something. I was, you know how when you're when you're surfing, you know mm-hmm. one one link leads to another link leads to another link, and the next <laughs> and all thing, of a sudden the FBI is at your door. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Or, or or even worse, Stargate SG one. But uh, <laughs> worse. <laughs> but uh, I was I was reading about the show and in particular the first season, um, and was startled at the television writer talent that worked that show in the first season. Like Hart Hansen uh, wrote on that show in the first season. Um, Stephen Barnes, real life science fiction author Stephen Barnes wrote on mm. that show. And, you know, I was like, huh. In all fairness, I had seen the uh, pilot and okay. maybe one other episode prior to that. I mean, I had seen enough of Stargate SG-1 to know that I wasn't interested in Stargate SG-1, but, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe I've judged this show unfairly. So I, you know, settled in, and over the last several weeks, I have, uh, I started and completed, as of this past Sunday, uh, first season of Stargate SG-1. And here, here is the thing, Paul, 
not nearly as bad as I thought it was. It is, in fact, and here's the thing. This is the reason why I bring this up to make it Star Star Trek adjacent. I would say, on the whole, a better first season than Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. On the whole. I think there there are more better episodes in the first season of Stargate SG-1 than there are in the first season of Next Generation. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, my, my only real experience, uh, up till now with the Stargate television franchise was Stargate universe, which I really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, 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 a part of my judgment against Stargate SG one is that I really don't care for Richard Dean Anderson, uh, AKA MacGyver. Um, I, I think that he is a rather flat in tone actor. I don't think he's got much range, and I, yeah, I, that is borne out in this uh, television watching experience. But I think the rest of the cast is actually rather engaging. And like I said, there are a couple of really standout episodes where I was entertained. Some of them were awful, but so are some of the most of the uh, first season of Next Generation. So I'm actually kind of curious to see what it does in the in uh, subsequent seasons. So I started. So you're going to continue. I started season two last night. Damn, Aaron! Yeah, I, I know this is the path I cannot follow. You. <laughs> Coming up soon, Stargate with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> No, no, that'll be an Aaron and Wayne thing. I think Wayne's a Stargate fan. I will will say that Atlantis is probably a bridge too far for me. I just don't (laughs) think I can go there. Just with Jason Momoa? (laughs) No, that's Aquaman, Paul. No, he was in a Stargate show, wasn't he? Was he he? really? I beats the hell out of me. Beats the hell out of me. I don't know. But but I I think you're thinking of Aquaman. (laughs) I mean, I'm also thinking of... I'm almost always thinking of Aquaman. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But he was on Stargate Atlantis from 2005 to 2009. Really? I had Mm -hmm. no idea. I had no idea. So that may not be a bridge too far. (laughs) Well, Aquaman's on it. Huh. Huh. Well, you know, my wife has a whole list of shows that are not allowed to be on in the room when she's in the room. Mm -hmm. And and one of those is, uh, oh God, what is it called? It's the one with the Muppets. It's... uh, Farscape. Farscape. Uh, Farscape. <laughs> she, I mean, she'll walk in the room, and I don't like Farscape, but, you know, <laughs> if it's on, I won't turn it off. And, uh, you know, I, I can have it on in the background, but, I mean, she'll walk in the room, no, turn it off. <laughs> and Star Trek Enterprise is another one. She cannot bear Star Trek Enterprise. But there's no Muppets in that. Yeah, but she's got big Scott Bakula issues. Uh, I mean, I understand that. And in all fairness, I mean, she watches some crap I object to as well. And I'm like, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, no, I, I, so because, and we, we talked a little bit last week that we finished, uh, we, fi- we finished our, our Yellowstone, um, universe television programming, even though you gave up on Mayor of Kingstown. I saw it through. I, uh, I finished, we finished up 1883. So but when we start, when we start our Jellystone podcast, I'll, uh, I'll commit to going and watching mayor of Kingstown. Yes. It, it gets better in the second half of the season. I feel like that's Taylor Sheridan's thing. I'm going to, 
you know, the first half of the season is going to be set up to the point that you're ready to give up, and then you'll give it that next episode, and it turns around. I felt like I feel like that's his mo. I felt like 1883 was good throughout. I felt like that. Yeah, was, that was I don't strong. know that I agree with that. But we're going to talk about Whoa. That on Jellystone. Whoa, we're going to talk about shots that on fired. Shots, Shots fired. fired. No, I, I'm, I'm on the Ozark now. The Ozark season four. So it's good stuff. It's good not, stuff. It's better not, than Starcade. I, I watched there, the first. There's no Aquaman in it. I will say that. I watched the first season and a half of Ozark and I was hard out. I, I told the wife, you can watch this without me. I'm done. <laughs> there's no Muppets in it. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> if Kermit would just show up, if he just row his boat across the lake singing Rainbow Connection, I'd be good. But no, there's no I, Kermit. I would also like that. <laughs> so, Eric, you know, um, we have not spoken on this podcast, and this is this is the item that I didn't um, put on the outline. Put on the outline. Uh-huh. The, and spoiler warning: there is no outline. Um, <laughs> We have not talked about Playmates, not not the not the magazine, yeah. uh, but that that you know the Playmates toys, you know re reacquiring the license for Star Trek, and, and more specifically that we are getting a line of Star Wars Prodigy action figures. Oh yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, no Janeway, you know just just the crew of the the ship themselves. Did, did you say Only Star Wars Prodigy? No, I said Star. Did I say Star Wars? Prodigy? I thought you said Star Wars Prodigy. Oh, I feel like I said. We'll Star rewind Trek. the tape and uh, and determine whether or not that was said. We won't be doing that. Oh, you well, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Prodigy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, only only the flesh and blood crew uh, made it to to toy form. But I feel you know I I grew up when I grew up Playmates toys was the shiznit uh-huh. because you know they, they hit right at the time that i was really into action figures um <laughs> i mean i still am but right. it's at the time that, that, that i was supposed to be into action figures um you know with teenage mutant ninja turtles um they and they acquired dick tracy the line of dick tracy toys based on the warren oh, Beatty yeah. movie yeah yeah i loved that um and they had the star trek license for for quite a while, and you know, since then there has not been anyone consistently producing Star Trek toys. I know Diamond Select had the license, McFarlane had the license for like five minutes, um, but no one really did anything with that other than like higher priced right. toys. Yeah, the 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 real there's a term yeah, for the it. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm glad to see that Playmates has, um, you know, acquired the license again. Hopefully they are going to do, you know, bring it a little bit more mainstream, especially with the announcement of an upcoming Star Trek film. It would be nice to have a little bit more shelf space on the regular for Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Um, You know, now I, I, I don't know that I will be picking any of them up on the action figure line um, unless they do something a little bit more. Like a, a ship, maybe or something. I may, but I, I, you know, as far as action figures, I don't really have a ton of space left for, for action figures until I sell this GI Joe shit. <laughs> Is are are you in the market to sell some GI Joe shit, Paul? I am. I you know, I think I've given up. I've given up on this GI Joe line. I got it. I got invested. I got committed, and uh, they lost me with all the store exclusives and. And stuff like that. I'm like, no, no, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy that's going to go to Target at five o'clock in the morning anymore. I, who does that? I mean, I know it used to be, be you. surprised. It used to be me up yeah. until about six weeks ago. Because <laughs> that, that was the breaking point. They announced a new line coming out. And I'm like, you know what? 
I think I'm out this time. I think I'm out. And and they're numbered on the side. And that's how they got me, Aaron. That's how they got me. So Playmates Toys, if you're listening to me, if, if you put a number on the side of the shit so I have to collect all of them, <laughs> otherwise I'll have a gap in my collection. That's, that's, the how, that's how they got me with this G.I. Joe thing. and Because I got number one through number 32. I can see them right now. And then they just announced a whole bunch, and they're like, this one's a Target exclusive. This one's online exclusive. Uh, this one's – I'm like, nope. That blows. That blows. That, you take all, when you take the joy out of collecting for me um, – because, I mean, I, 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 I used to appreciate the hunt. Now I don't. Now I just want, now yeah. I just want what I want. Just, just send it to me. That's what you're right. telling and them. I, just send it want, to me. And I don't want to pay eBay prices. I just right. want to purchase it. Yeah. So anyway, long story short – um, I'll have some more room on my shelf, so maybe maybe I can find some room for some Star Trek, but probably not the action figures. Maybe a ship or two. Well, you I, know, I, I, any I, Star Trek present in my office currently. The ship that I've really had my eye on is that damn Playmobil USS Enterprise uh, 1701. That thing is slick. It's five hundred dollars for this thing, but it is gorgeous. I. I, it is gorgeous. And, you know, I was telling my wife, I said, I, I think I'm going to buy that thing one of these days. And she's like, well, where are you going to put it? And I'm like, well, something as nice as that needs to be the centerpiece on our dining table. <laughs> <laughs> on the dining table, not even the coffee table. Yeah, and she's like, hard no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should just approach her with the Stargazer instead. Oh, man, the Stargazer. The new one? Yeah, the new one. That's and, and we'll talk about Picard here in a bit. I, Paul, Paul, I think That's we should start with Disco, aren't we? I think we should. Oh. I think we have to start with Disco so Throw that we end on transition. a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so we're, are we are we are we hating on Disco again? Well, one moment, one moment oh, before okay, we do that, because you know you've mentioned that uh, you know when you were still into action figures, I'd like to point out I count six on my desk, just on my desk, not around my office. But six on my desk, two of which are Star Trek The Next Generation reaction figures, brand new in the box. I haven't even cracked the box open yet. I got them. Oh, the reaction figures, the Super yeah. 7 ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got Yeah, them. those were hard to resist. God, they're sweet. <laughs> they're sweet. I, the, the, I love the wharf, and I've got the Captain Picard. So, uh, yeah, these are both <laughs> really nice. I'm not into action figures. I'm just resisting harder uh-huh. than I used to. Because yeah. I have less, I have no shelf space. I, yeah, it's, no, I hear- it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, you, you know, Aaron is a married man, so you know you get frustrated when you have to change shit out seasonally. Like, oh, you know, we have to, you know, these these are not these are winter sheets or winter blankets <laughs> or winter curtains, or winter decorations. If you need to change them out for spring, right, right. I feel like that that's going to be me with my toys. Like, oh well, GI Joe's a winter thing, so <laughs> let me swap it out for Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek and Spring. <laughs> Star Trek and Spring go together. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, 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 but I feel you. I mean, I, I, I have no shelf space. I mean, where the hell are you going to put half the stuff? I mean, there's a reason why I got into digital comic books, right? It's just, <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, but I will never get into digital action figures. You I know, promise you that. <laughs> we can we can sit here and talk about toys and and all manner of things, Paul. But eventually, we're going to have to talk about. Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 10? No. 11. 11. Yes. Rosetta, right? Rosetta. And, well, I mean, before we go into that, Rosetta, I do want to clarify that if you do have an interest in hearing 40-year-old men talk (laughs) about 40-plus-year-old men talk about action figures, you probably want to check out our other podcast, 
adult toys with Aaron and Polly <laughs> <laughs> on our fee-paying member site. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> on our Patreon. Yeah. You want to hear two dudes talk about toys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a market for it. <laughs> two cis white guys over the age of 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's got to be a market for it. Someone, everyone, someone pays for something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, because we pay for Paramount Plus to watch shows like Rosetta, and I feel like what I'm offering is a more enjoyable experience. I think you're right. I think you're (laughs) right. Because, you know, I reached out to Paul shortly after I watched uh, Rosetta, you know, Star Trek four season, Star Trek discovery season four, episode 11 Mm -hmm. Rosetta. I reached out to Paul and I said, you know, I think it's the best of season four or stated more accurately. It is the least worst of season four. Um, and I, I stand by that, Paul. I told you that I think Saturday morning. I stand mm-hmm. by that. I think least worst is uh, is probably the best description of the quality of Rosetta. I feel like, but you know, here's the thing. I don't disagree with you. However, I feel like when it comes to Rosetta, the reason it's the least worst is because nothing. Re- I mean, conse- it feels like nothing consequential happens in the episode, and and they tried their hardest to make everything feel like it was important. <sighs> <laughs> but um, but here, but I have discovered something about Star Trek Discovery, and it is much like it is much like the red shirt stigma from Star Trek: The Original Series. Right, if a red shirt went on an away mission, they were bound to die. Mm-hmm. I feel like when Star Trek Discovery, when the crew of the Discovery, when when someone is on an away mission that isn't Burnham, Saru. Or book, they will have some monumental emotional breakdown. Oh yeah, yeah. In the middle of the mission, this, this is the most unprofessional crew oh, I, yeah. I have ever seen. I, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, could you imagine if if our military, if our if our military forces, you know, had these uh, th- these emotional uh-huh. outbursts, flashbacks every time in the middle of the mission, yeah, in the middle of a mission every time because every time there is someone on a mission. Other than the three leads, there is some big emotional breakdown, confession, trauma explored from their childhood. And uh, in, in this episode, it was Detmer's turn well, to, uh, yeah. to talk about her, her emotional trauma and that in the has, middle of the mission. That has <laughs> been the way of things all season is that every time you bring somebody on, you know, the the new person from the bridge, you know, the person in this episode from the bridge that gets to go on the mission they're going to come along in the mission and share with you their trauma. That's what happened with Owa. That's what happened with Bryce. It's what happened with Detmer. I mean, it is so stupid. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to back up to, you know, when they decide, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be Michael Burnham. It's going to be Saru. It's going to be Detmer and uh, Dr. Culver. You know, those, these are the people who are going on the mission. And then they're all shoulder to shoulder doing their dramatic walk down the fucking hallway. The whole reason they built those hallways as wide as they did is so that the away party can walk side by side dramatically in slow motion. I'm mm-hmm. just so I, you don't have time in your in your storytelling to explain key details of story, but you've got time in every fucking episode to do the slow walk to the mission. I mean, we did this when uh, Burnham was was the only one conscious and everybody else was in the transporter buffer, where she's walking down the hallway in slow motion with everything sparking around her. I mean, it's like it's the only shot they know how to do. 
it irritates the living tar out of me. You can do that when you when you are delivering on other things, but the whole hero shot thing, we're, we're cool and we're going off to do our thing, uh, is super annoying. Now, there are parts of this episode that I enjoyed. None of it happened on the away mission. Not a no. single bit of it. The fact that they beamed down to the planet to find a way to communicate with, with 10C, uh, and the way they figure out how to do that is to experience more trauma. <laughs> Jeez, a I mean, I'm well, just and, and one of the things before you go into the things that you appreciated about the episode, I do. I, I, I will say one thing I appreciate. I, I appreciated about this episode is that they did address one of the things that I found concerning even before I had to address it myself, which is someone was like it was. Um, the president, not the president, um, the, the, the general uh, of Earth, the yeah. general of Earth. Yeah. And she said, I have a concern. Oh, no, it was the president. I have a concern that our captain and our first officer right. are going on this away uh, on this away mission. And I'm like, yes, me too. <laughs> Seems well, unnecessary. And it seemed like Detmer would be the one that you'd leave behind, you know, that yeah. she that she'd have because she's the better pilot. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they needed her to pilot through the storm, but I just found it interesting. Yeah. The I always find it interesting, and you know they tried their best to explain it, but I do always find it interesting how they choose who goes on away missions because it rarely makes sense to me. Right? No, I completely agree. Um, the thing that I enjoyed about the show was Tignataro, mm -hmm. hands down. Tignataro, uh, her flicking <laughs> uh, Blue Del Barrio in the head, yeah, killed me. I mean, I love I, what I want them to do is everyone's sharing their trauma. And I want I, <laughs> I want Jet Reno in the room to say, you know, what? I don't give a shit about your shit. Do your fucking job. You know, yeah. that's what I, I, I really want to see that level of uh, of 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 reaction to all the sharing. Because, you know, she is not warm and fuzzy. And I love that about her in yeah. a ship of people who all just want to hug all day. She get away from me. <laughs> well, there's a reason she's so many people's favorite character, right? They keep bringing her back, uh -huh. and I think you know it's like they haven't realized like people like her because she's not like the rest of the crew, right. and she's not like the rest of the crew because she's not just like constantly in turmoil. I, I did love her line when uh, <laughs> when what is Blue Del Barrio's character's name again? I always forget her character's name. Uh, Their character's name, sorry. Yeah. Uh, wow, how did I, I just forget that? Yeah, it's Gray and... Anyway, not important. Adira. Adira, thank you. So, uh, <laughs> Adira mentions how, how taken uh, they are by uh, Detmer. And yes. Reno immediately says, ah, oh, I get it. So when Gray's away, you know, and, and really kind of does that, uh, uh, uh. And, you know, they're like, no, no, uh, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I just, you know, Detmer's just so cool. You know, Detmer is always, you know, so calm. And I, the, I loved the conversation as much as uh, Adira gets on my nerves. Mm -hmm. I really did enjoy the conversation. I, what felt like an honest real type people conversation between, you know, uh, Jet Reno and Adira. That was what I enjoyed about the episode. Everything yeah, I would agree. else was trash. I mean, every time I see, and let me just drop back and say, Sonequa Martin-Green is a magnificent actor. I mean, I 
really appreciate her talent. They're not giving her the right stuff to work with. I need to see her be decisive. You know, like Janeway was decisive and like Kirk was decisive and like Picard was decisive. I, I need to see her actually command, you know, like, and, and not just, I, 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 not just wrench her feelings at every moment. There's a moment, who was it she did this to? I can't remember if it was a Saru or Culber, but she puts her hand on him, you know, to, to empathize. And I'm like, come on, you guys are on a mission. You're doing stuff. Stop having the big, warm, feely eyes and say, hey, guys, snap out of it. We got work to do. Well, yeah. and, you know, like uh, Detmer, right? She has her emotional moment uh-huh. in the middle of the mission, and she tries to apologize for it. And, you know, Captain Burnham is like, don't you dare apologize. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> actually, she, 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 she should be, <laughs> Well, and, and being honest. And last thing that didn't make any sense to me. Uh, that I that I want to point out. There's a lot that doesn't make sense to me in this show, but they're they're on the the planet and they're all they're all being affected by uh, uh, something there on the planet. And nobody says, well, you know, the only person here who's got cybernetic implants is Detmer. Maybe that's the issue. Nobody ever says that. They they're like, oh no, it's the blue dust I walked through. And, you know, that was the issue. It was the blue dust. But I would have liked them to explore something that the audience might have suspected, because I don't think I'm yeah. the only one who thought that. Because I'm like, oh, well, you know, she is the only one with like an ocular implant or whatever that is on her eye. You know, so maybe that's got something to do with it. Well, I also found that interesting that it, it took them like, OK, I, I, I know this is nitpicky, mm-hmm. right? Because but they're like, oh, it's the dust. You know, our, our suits are not programmed uh-huh. to filter out this type of dust. And I'm like... And why isn't it filtering out everything? What if that dust was poison? Right. I mean, I guess it was, but what if... The, you know, like, why isn't it filtering out everything yeah. except your, you know, necessary it sh- matter? Yeah. It for, should be a breathing. sealed environment, right? Yeah. You know, the, I, the fact that it is it, it is exchanging with the outside, uh, you know, atmosphere... That's that's a little scary. That oh, because you know you you are outside the galactic barrier. You uh you you might run into things we don't know. You know yeah. you are out there exploring. Shouldn't the unknown be part of your precautions? Yeah, yeah no, that was so. that was that struck me as uber stupid. Well, quite frankly, this entire episode struck me as yeah. stupid. As it, it does just, it, it felt unnecessary. As does the entire being. season, Paul. The entire okay. season is stupid, uh, and so that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap our discovery conversation here. Uh, don't worry, we'll be back next time to talk more of discovery. But now, now we're gonna talk about now, some, now, <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna talk about something that I found infinitely delightful. I uh, I I very very much enjoyed Star Trek Picard season two episode one, the Stargazer. Stargazer. I uh I I gotta tell you I I like it when shows open up in the middle of the action. Um, you know that there's there's shit going on before you ever get yeah. started. And I gotta tell you, the the security officers running down that corridor and getting blown into the wall. Uh, well, and what's his face? Um, Elnor. Yeah, I mean it was super rugged. I didn't recognize him in that beginning sequence. I recognized uh-huh. him later on, obviously right. in context. 
but that's probably because season one was so forgettable for me. Well, I got to tell you, I the the whole you know the, the you know all all security teams report to the bridge. I was I was like, oh, that that's pretty bad news. So, something's going on up there. <laughs> you know, yeah, I would I would be the security officer going, hey, I think someone needs to cover this hallway here. I'm gonna stay right here. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I got your back, guys. I got no one's gonna get you from here. <laughs> <laughs> that's me that's the guy i'd be uh i uh you know the the, sh- the show opens up to uh picard having to order self-destruct on the uss stargazer the new refit uh new uh the the brand new stargazer that is mm-hmm. just you know paul uh, the, my big gripe about season one my biggest gripe about season one was that the absence of star sh- of starfleet ships and then when the starfleet ships do show up it's all the same starfleet ship stargazer is gorgeous it is, it is. just very, very original design. Oh, it was so hot. I mean, I was I was busting out a boner uh, the minute oh. it hit the screen. I mean, it was it was profound, turgid wood. It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it could get worse than the original. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I, it was it was everything I wanted and more. I got to tell you, it was it was great. It was great. Yeah, I don't disagree. Ah, so good. So you know, we uh, where do we open up? We open up, you know, with with uh, the Stargazer out on patrol, right? Isn't that where, mm-hmm. where it comes in? Well, we don't have to do it in linear order. We can just talk about where our characters are. So uh, the Stargazer picking wine, doing wine. That's right. He's doing wine out there on the at Chateau Picard, and uh, we get to see number one again. And uh, number one, the doggy. Yeah, number, number one, the number one. Yeah, I, I I was very excited to see number one again, but you know because he has has been acknowledged as such a bad actor, not much screen time for him. No. Uh, but uh, we find that uh, Captain Picard and Laris, you know, who is uh, recently widowed, um, mm-hmm. they uh, might have a little thing for each other. In fact, you know, Laris kind of presses the point, and uh, mm-hmm. Picard backs off. You know, he uh, the Picard maneuver is not outwitting the Ferengi. It is dodging a kiss from uh, the Romulan uh, woman that works in his house. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's dodging love, which we became a very prevalent um, aspect of this episode. A number of characters, uh, in, including Guinan, uh-huh. uh, you know, comment on, hey, man, like, this is your final frontier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you, why, why have you never had, to our knowledge, what we would consider a serious relationship? Clearly regret is uh figuring uh, prominently in this season of Star Trek mm. Picard, you know, the road not taken as it were, uh, you know, we see Picard giving a uh, commencement speech to, at the Academy where he is now chancellor. And, you know, he starts talking about time, that time is the final frontier. And I thought for sure he was going to quote Malcolm McDowell from Star Trek generations where some say time is a fire in which men burn. But no, he didn't say that. He uh, he did. That's his point. Do now that you, yeah now now I wish he had. Yeah, but uh, you know he uh, he wound up giving uh, uh, Evan Evan relatively rousing. He gave Elnor uh, for a graduation gift a copy of uh, of Leonard Nimoy's book. You know, uh, I am Spock. I am not Spock. The combined edition. Um, oh. 
<laughs> I, 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 was, I missed that part. I must have, I must have dozed off. <laughs> I was amused that the uh, memoir of Spock w- was bound in green leather. I thought that was kind of amusing. You know, <laughs> green blood, you know. But, you know, all these cadets going off into space to, you know, go out on their missions, I, I, I was, it felt like Star Trek. It was great. It was it did. great. And meanwhile, out in space, Captain Rios has left the La Serena. In fact, he has given the La Serena to Seven of Nine so that he can take the command of the new USS Stargazer. And here, Paul, here, Paul, is my only complaint about this episode. My own, my one, act two. My my one and second, <laughs> first and second <laughs> complaints for, for this episode. One is Captain Rios sits at uh, three complaints I've got, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> First, Captain Rio sits on his bridge with a cigar, which he never lights. He's got a he's got a lighter. He plays with the lighter. I the lighter was thrown to him at one point by one of his officers. I don't understand why the other officer had his lighter. You know, was that officer smoking a cigar? I didn't see that. So, but he never lights this cigar that he's just got hanging in his mouth. And I feel like it's sort of Chekhov's cigar, right? If you show it the is. cigar in the first act, you have to light it by the third act. I'm just saying. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I, I it was. I now I I'm all I'm all boned up looking for a cigar and uh, nowhere to go. Perhaps because it is inappropriate to light a cigar. But he's got the lighter and the cigar. Why would he not spark that mother up? He's the captain. He makes the rules. He doesn't make the rules. That's a a Starfleet rule. There's always someone above you. Yeah, not on on his bridge. He's the captain, by gum. (laughs) Except, that's my third complaint. (laughs) (laughs) Of of one. (laughs) But my second complaint is that brother needs a haircut. He does not look right in the uniform. He, he needs something going on with his hair. He looks he 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 looks like he just got out of bed. I don't um, disagree. Uh, he needs a haircut, or at least a hairstyle. Uh, and then my third complaint is at no point he's really busy in the first scene. You know, give me a status report on that. Give me this. Give me that. And he's he's talking to his people. But when the shit starts going down. He never acts like a captain. In fact, he's just sitting in his chair, sort of deferring to uh, to Admiral Picard. And we'll come back to that. But I, 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 that was my big complaint about the episode, uh, was that at no point does Rios seize control. Uh, every, he, he reacts too much. Um, and yeah. I, I had a real problem with that. But uh, so, you know, he's there. Uh, uh, Dr. Girardi is uh, there, and she and Rios have, have broken up, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, apparently it's it's a rather awkward breakup. But, you know, it's okay because she's drinking her problems away. Um, Issa Briones, or Sophie, as we know her, uh, is down on the planet with a colony of Deltons. Uh, and, you know, it, being the brand ambassador for all things sentient uh, life form, uh, artificial life form, uh, I don't know that we're going to see much more of uh, her this season because she wasn't on the ship when things go down later on. Maybe. However, she does show up in the preview footage. So ah. she is somehow affected by uh, whatever time jumping thing occurs. Yeah. And then Seven continues to be a member of the Fenris Rangers. And uh, Rafi. Your favorite. Yeah. And Rafi uh, is, uh, I think she's executive officer on the Excelsior with Elnor. 
So I, yeah, that, I think you're right. that is our band back together, and we're all coming together because Captain Picard gets called to the Stargazer because the Stargazer is out there, and uh, La Serena with Seven have stumbled upon this rift in space that a transmission is coming through asking for help. Now, so I'm going to pause because I wanted to talk about my main issue with the episode. Oh, okay. Hit me. It's a different issue. I didn't really have any issues with your 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 issues. Uh-huh. So my issue, so we're up to four. <laughs> Space is a big place. Uh-huh. It's infinite. Uh-huh. It's somehow two people who know each other happen to come across each other in space at the same time. Well, and I I always find that like like how because Stefan was not on a mission that had anything to do with this. She just coincidentally came across it. Well, and what's a Starfleet ship doing out there where the Fenris Rangers are patrolling, right? Because Fair. they're out there. They're out there in the you know frontier where Starfleet doesn't have a presence. So why is the Stargazer there? Sure. I mean that doesn't make any sense. And it wasn't like, oh yeah, we knew you were here. I mean, none of that made a whole It wasn't like she reported it. You right. know, it just kind of like, they just kind of coincidentally came across they, each they other. They wandered into each other. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and to, you know, to, you know, quote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, space is really, really, really big. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a term of art. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the gang gets together, most of them on the bridge of the Stargazer to respond to this plea that's coming through this rift in space. And, you know, I knew that the Borg were going to be in this because I've been watching the, the trailers and the previews and the, the little, you know, uh, promotional images. But, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like there was enough here for someone to have realized this was the Borg coming through. First of all, the... Besides everything being obvious about it? Yeah. Like it was green. It was well, that's green right. That's right. The, the energy around the event horizon of this your rift in space looked exactly like Borg energy, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's that's one tell. The second was the Borg is a hive mind. They're a collective mentality, and when they speak, it sounds like many are speaking at once. And at no point did say, well, you know, it's this static that we're getting through that we're, that are, you know, millions of voices, hundreds of thousands of languages. At no point does somebody say, well, you know, that kind of sounds like the Borg to me. Nobody. And then when they ask directly for Picard, well, you know who asks directly for Picard? The Borg. The Borg? Yeah. I mean, that. it just feels like at some point somebody would have said, you know, they're asking for help. They're asking to be led into the Federation. I got to tell you, stinks of Borg to me. Yeah, you know? feels a little Borgy. Yeah, a little Borgy. You know, let's uh, let's be super careful here. Um, and so but no, they are not careful at all. all. No, here, here's the funny thing. So we're being critical. I loved it. I loved it. So we're just we're, I had honestly a, all we're doing right now is nitpicking at some that's of the right. That's right. things that didn't quite make sense. But I had a it, it was a great. I had a wild big smile on my face, Paul. I yeah. could not have been happier about this episode. But you know, I mean, it's all there in our branding. It's there in our in our in our mission statement. We're here to to uh, you know talk trash about really cool things. So yeah. uh, no, Star Trek. I mean, this felt like what I wanted from season one. That's right. right. This felt like a, a genuine continuation of the feel and and you know adventure of Star Trek: The Next Generation. It felt like you know if they were to do a movie, this is what I would want from that movie. You know, the re- the return of old characters, yeah, some new characters, and and you know, I I I, I, I hear there are mixed feelings on Guinan's um, 
moment in the show. And I, I will say I, I understand them because it accomplishes nothing different than the exact conversation he had with Loris in his uh-huh. house in, yeah. in the prior scene. Yeah, it didn't I mean, move the ball. It didn't move the ball at yeah. all. But I really like seeing that. I did too. I thought, and and they have a good. They have such a good chemistry. Look, you're the, a show like Picard is built mm-hmm. on nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Um, I enjoyed seeing Guinan in the episode. I really did. But did it make me feel the way uh, when Riker and Troy showed up? No, no, no. But it's Guinan. It's not Riker and Troy. Well, right? and, like, and it's I mean, a different. It's, it's a different not. type of relationship. You know. Yes. And. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was. I thought it was appropriate. It didn't detract from the rest of the action. I think the question you have to ask yourself is: Could we have gotten a better scene that would have driven the story forward uh, if we had used that time elsewhere? And here's the thing: I think the episode did exactly what it needed to do. Um, yeah. it, it set it up. You know, we are. We are. <laughs> Picard has to order a self destruct on this brand new stargazer that he's super excited about. And the ship, you know, we see everything fade in a, in a flash of white, a la, you know, encounter at Farpoint. And the next thing we know, there's Q. And I got to tell you, number one, John Delancey looks fantastic. Um, he does. And, and, even, and I'm not even talking about de-aged John right, Delancey. Right. And, you know, everyone made a big deal about the de-aging on John Delancey coming into this. And, I mean, it's on screen for 10 seconds. It is. Ten seconds, and he is not full-on in the frame. I mean, he is he is kind of over the shoulder of Picard, uh, you know, at least six or eight feet away. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like you got a long time to look at him like that. But, I mean, just in, in you know, present day, current time, this is the way John Delancey looks makeup. He looks fantastic. He, he really does. does. I, 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 and he is, there, he is a guy... Who just put his Q suit on like a glove? I mean, he was he there. He did not. He didn't spend any time on screen try, trying to remember who Q is. He was right no. back in it. And I, I got to tell you, I very much appreciated that. And the only thing that that I would challenge was that uh, Picard responds with "Goddamn Q," and I feel like. Q should have said, you know, you never would have used that kind of language with me before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it was, you know, it was very much a we're on Paramount. Plus. That's right. Well, and I, I wanted Q because I feel like Q could make that comment, right? Yeah. And I, I, I thought that was a missed opportunity. Uh, but man, I got to tell you, I, I thought I thought the the episode was terrific. I got a kick out of some of the preview scenes that we get to see at the end of the in the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a prediction to make. And oh, you're not going to okay. like it. You're not going to like it one little bit because they refer in the you know coming coming up on season two of Star Trek Picard. They refer to we have to find the Watcher. Right? Do you recall hearing that? I do, but okay. why am I going to not like? Because I feel like I know who the Watcher is. Who is it? Who is it? I think it's Will Wheaton. I think oh. I think it is uh, it is uh, little little Wesley Crusher. And what uh, makes you think that? I because number one, he I, 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 there's a lot of meta reasons for it. He is so closely associated to Star Trek. He is so tied into current Star Trek. I think that before Picard is said and done, Wesley will make some kind of uh, return. And because his character is the Traveler, a time-traveling entity in the Star Trek universe, 
it would not surprise me to see him come back in that role. That the Watcher mm. is Wesley Crutcher. I feel like the Watcher is somebody we know. Okay, I'm just you could saying. be right. I'm just uh, saying. Yeah, I mean, of course, I have they, been wrong before. But you're I generally wrong, but, <laughs> but I feel like you're probably right here. I, I, think I, don't, I, I don't know about Wesley Crusher, but it's certainly someone in the universe. Yeah, I feel like it's somebody we know. I gotta tell you, we've already we've already got Q. I just think that the other the other time traveling sort of person who might be watching is Wesley. Hmm. And now that doesn't bother me because I like Will Wheaton, but I know you've got some Will Wheaton issues. I do, I do. Yeah. Now that being said, you know, we'll see how he acts in the role and if I can find something to appreciate. But I mean, here's the thing: I, I genuinely enjoyed it. I'm I'm curious to see how you know what the story is, right? Because I, I mean, they're, they're, obviously we're dealing with time travel. I got that, but outside of that. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious as to what does, what's the purpose of the time travel? What are we, what are we going for here? What is, you know, what, what are we, what is the storyline thread for the season going to be? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, um, I am too. I, but it, especially because you know they've announced that season three has already finished filming. Yeah. Now you know it's still, um, you know, not it's still in post production, but all you know all production has has completed for. Picard season three and that it was, it was intended to be a three season arc. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, so they've gotten the story done and I, you know, but I, I appreciate, you know, usually I'm concerned when, you know, they go so far down the path of, um, of, Hey, we already did, we already did the next two seasons before we even knew if you liked this one. Right. Uh, right. But we are certainly off to a very strong start here. Well, I, it is clear that the producers listen to the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and because they, I thought this episode did exactly what it needed to do. It got me excited. It brought it back to Starfleet. Uh, Starfleet seems to be a, an entity that is about exploring and, you know, acting correctly, you know, uh, not doing not doing shady shit. <laughs> not having emotional breakdowns. That's in the right. Of your mission. That's right. I. I, I I liked it a lot. I mean, I I do have some issues about how Rios manages a bridge. I mean, if they survive all of this, I would I would be firing some people who who uh, didn't follow orders. You know, he's telling he's ordering his people to stop firing, and not a one of them is listening to him. Uh, I think that's a problem. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, I thought it was great. I'm super excited uh, about Picard. I am. I, I the other thing I'm really excited about is Discovery is almost over for season four. Two more episodes. Yeah, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> and I'm hoping it ends. You know, when it ends, we get a preview of Strange New Worlds finally. Oh man, I can't wait. Uh, I would really like to see some footage from that. Same here. Same here. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about the all-new episode of Star Trek Picard. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to Adult Toys with Aaron (laughs) Pauling. Just just leave your uh, credit card number there and uh, we will get you billed appropriately. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lordy. All right. Well, Paul, we'll do this all over again next time and maybe with some special clips from uh, Adult Toys with Aaron and Polly. Oh, maybe if if you're lucky. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) 
Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 